Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash pixelsift. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift. It's your weekly dive into the world of games and gaming. This week we've hit episode 6-0, which of course everyone knows is the Diamond Jubilee. So feel free to send your copies of uh, Pokemon Diamond our way. Feel free. Uh, I'm your host Gianni and I'm joined by my co-hosts Scott and Mitch. Hello. I already have Pokemon Diamond. More the, more the merrier <laughs> is what I say. you got to get those legendaries. Uh, taking time out of his busy schedule just before the launch of his game is Alberto Santiago, developer of Goat Punks. Alberto, thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. How's it going? Hey, hey. It's a pleasure to have you on the show this week, taking a few moments uh, before the crunch of pressing launch on your game. Uh, but Mitch, what else are we going to be chatting about today? Yes, Nintendo will now be forsaking region locking regarding the new Nintendo Switch. So how will this affect the way we get the games we want? Yes, and our first topic today, we'll be looking at the launch of IRL, the latest feature from Twitch. Great. Let's Twitch and Switch. Twitch and Switch. Let's hitch this wagon. I don't know. Let's jump in, <laughs> shall we? You're listening to Pixelsift, or you might be watching Pixelsift on Twitch. Pixelsift. Do you know what rhymes with hitch and switch? I don't know. Mitch. Yeah. Oh, easy one to go for. That's and definitely enough from you two. All right. <laughs> the uh, the streaming be- service Twitch has recently launched a new feature they, they've dubbed IRL, which seeks to expand the time streamers spend with their viewers. More specifically, it's meant for streamers to go beyond video games and include their audience in their real life, sharing all their daily experiences. But this lengthening of time spent on stream, as well as the high demand and expectancy that could come with it, may have its own issues. Where does it stop? So this kind of comes out of uh, a streamer called Professor Broman, uh, a.k.a. Ben, ben Bowman. Ben Bowman. Um, and he has basically kind of come out after this talking about the sort of requirements that he had to do to kind of get to the level where he was basically comfortably growing and his stream was at a point where it could be you know, sustainable and he had this sort of thing. He said in the sort of early stages of his channel um, that growing my channel at the start involved a mind-crushing 12 to 16 hours of streaming every day, seven days a week, all year for two years, and that was the only way that I was able to maintain growth. Kind of stomps on us, doesn't it? Look, I think Hard. It, I think it's really interesting to, to, to talk about because, you know, there is this new category that Twitch has introduced and funnily enough, though, m- most people would know Twitch as a gaming streaming platform. Um, it originally started out as a live streaming, live streaming platform when it was originally called Justin TV or Justin.tv. And the guy Justin who made it basically streamed his entire life. Yeah. And people used to watch And Twitch was the video gaming branch of Justin TV, well, wasn't it? Previously, the Justin TV had games on it because they opened it up so that other people could access it. Right. And some of the more popular content ended up being people playing games on stream instead of actually, you know, going to the bank or, right. you know, doing normal, here's me doing some dishes or whatever. You know, gaming became an important part and then the whole company kind of shifted in that direction. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting to sort of talk about the requirements that, uh, you know, these sort of things expect of people and the expectations that 
audiences and fans have of these people who are making this content. Well, that's it. You, you widen up the, uh, the relationship, which is very worth noting is fairly one-dimensional. Like there's going to be a demand and expectancy, I think anyway, for them to do it more and often. And yeah, I think that could be taxing on the people themselves. I think it's, yeah, what, where I sort of disagree with this particular statement is that there is a, um, yeah, uh, Ben Bowman basically comes out and says, look, I think that the, the time commitment is basically going to keep expanding to the point where if you aren't streaming your life 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're just not going to have this audience. I think what this has done and examples of other categories which have, have come out of this is kind of more of a diversification of what Twitch is attending to do. Mm. Um, we saw the introduction of this category called social eating, which is really popular in places like Korea, where basically someone will just sort of eat a meal in front of you and people kind of <laughs> chat to them in the same way. And that's like a huge, huge category there. And I think this is kind of a section for anything that isn't sort of game-related content because well, really there wasn't a place for that to live. Much like the... Well, the previous version of Twitch streaming, it's about socializing and socializing with your, with your peers, I guess. So and, it's almost like... Especially when they're inaccessible as it, as it stands. So it's almost like it, the the kind of focus of Twitch and Justin TV has kind of narrowed and then now it's diversifying again, almost. <laughs> exactly like a, right. Yeah, I think that's sort like, of... Sorry, Ben Bowman's version, obviously, is pretty worst case scenario and that's not going to be everyone, but it's just, it is a, it's a view uh, that, you know, of something that might happen if things are kind of pushed too far. And if we, we're not careful that we don't push two people, people too far, this, you know, those kind of things. Could yeah, happen. and I think there is a sort of a comment to be made about the expectations of audiences and people watching these streams that they, you it's know, there realistic. needs to be this sort of, you know, balance between allowing people to you know create interesting stuff but also not asking too much of them that it kind of destroys their their lives i would love to hear alberto's thoughts on this though alberto you're just about to release a game you're thinking about uh the audience expectations of your games where where are you sitting well i I'm, i'm sort of worried about i guess the level of quality that you know if if someone is always constantly on how are they going to be able to deliver like um, like rich experiences, like twenty four seven. It's, it's. I think it's. They they make these um, things available for us, but it's not necessarily we should use it. Like, <laughs> it's 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 almost silly to sort of. Like it's not for everyone. I don't think. I don't. And I don't think everyone should use it. But like, I guess the problem with you know, trying to stand out on your own is like you sort of have to try and keep up, you know, you, you're sort of trying to keep up with the Joneses in a way. Like when you're making a game, everyone's telling you, oh, you got to use, you got to use Twitter, you got to keep up your social um, appearances, you got to make dev blogs, you have to do, build up your community. Like there's all these list of things like before, you know, which is good because back in the day, like you never had any of those opportunities to do and self-publish all those you know, and really make it your own. But now there's becoming too many platforms that you kind of have to, like, I didn't necessarily think you have to use everything. I think you should probably just use a set few of them and make make those set few really good. Is there anything that you're kind of staying away from that you said, look, I'd love to do this, but I need to just concentrate on these one or two areas? Yeah, um, well... I suppose, I suppose making doing doing blogs and stuff like I, you know, it, it, those those kind of things take a lot of time and like 
while you're making the game, you know, it's, I guess it sounds easy enough to just take a screenshot of what you're, whatever you're doing, but that's also, that also sort of changes the way you develop because you develop, you're, you're kind of, um, creating something that's, uh, for that particular screenshot or something to share and not for the entire game in itself, if you know what I mean. So content creation for content creation's sake rather than for the overall picture yeah, of the game. Yeah, and I sort of tend to lean towards just trying to focus. Uh, you know, it's not it's not good of me to neglect the, the other stuff, but I sort of get um, uh, my, my main thing is just sticking to the game because that's my, in a way, that's my addiction. Like, uh, that's the only reason why I'm doing this as well because I'm so, sort of, just experimenting and uh, seeing where it takes me, and it's you know just just experiencing these new things always feels like an addiction, and like uh, it, yeah, it keeps me interested in that way. Like I guess um, I don't know if you know the guy Casey Neistat. Uh, he's a video producer. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a blogger. He was like a a daily vlogger, and he was he was always constantly like. You know, every day would upload videos constantly, and he, his stuff was you know a cut above the rest. Um, but eventually, he started getting a bit tired of doing it, so he he pulled it all, all back. You know, he was like, um, you know, his his views were like skyrocketing, and but I think there's only so much you can maintain. Like, you, and if you're doing it constantly over and over again, and you're not learning. Like you're not evolving or not changing, I think it might get boring really quickly for the for the people who are watching and for the, for yourself. Do you think too much success can be a bad thing in this sort of circumstance? Um, possibly. Like, I guess it depends on how you adapt. I guess it all comes down to how you adapt, really. Like, if you're if you're able to um, adapt with the change of all the more popularity that you get, then you know, I guess it just comes down to that. Really. It's going to be very interesting to sort of see how this kind of shakes out, whether, you know, the expectations are for, you know, popular streamers to continue the amount of streaming they're doing or expand what they're doing or whether we'll see, you know, new people pop into different niches where, you know, the other streamers can stick to their, their speciality or yeah. and have other people come along. Well, unfortunately, you still can't stream from the Twitch um mobile app so coming soon though apparently yeah. that's part of the IRL kind of wrecks the whole IRL thing but one of the I mean, comments some people carry their PC or you know yeah one of the comments around with them yeah one of the comments that Ben makes in that article is that you know audiences have a very high expectation of the quality of presentation and that if that quality decreases then people get pretty mad pretty quickly and you know streaming on a phone in a crowded convention center where 3G or 4G reception is really poor, you know, you're not going to give the best experience. Yeah, people so, are going to need to set you know, up their setups. But, you know, there's always creative people out there who can do different sorts of things. So maybe we will hear more, a little bit more about that. But let's jump into our next topic. Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. We are joined by Alberto Santiago. He is from New South Wales and he's just about to, on the cusp of releasing his new local multiplayer game, Goat Punks. Alberto, can you tell us a little bit about your game if, if people haven't seen it before? 
Um, Super Good Punks is pretty much just a, a multiplayer King of the Hill type of game. You have these tiny little goats that you have to try and make your way up to the top of the peak. And then once you're at the top, you can uh, throw down bombs to defend yourself. Um, yeah, there's, it, that, that's pretty much basically the whole type, um, gameplay. Uh, it's, uh, it's fairly easy to, to pick up. Like It's designed so that um, even if you don't know or have never seen the game, you sort of can just uh, grab the control and you automatically know what to do. Um, that, was, that was one thing that I was focusing on when I was developing this game, is making sure that people can just jump into it and, you know, and, I can and run with it. I can absolutely attest to that. I jumped in and uh, did pretty well for myself. It made me really happy. <laughs> We've been hearing about it all the time. He's, yeah. uh, he thinks himself a bit of a, a Goat Punks legend. I do, I do. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think one of the things about it when I was playing the games as well is that there is this sort of sense of speed and sort of almost really chaotic. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of balance that between, you know, giving people too much information but also having a, yeah. a, a game that's kind of fun and, and easy enough for people to pick up? Yeah, well, um, I guess it just comes down to like I, I, I developed it in the mind of um, keeping it like a simple battle, like uh, a Roxas paper type of battle. Because right now I have I have sort of three different or four different attacks. You got like you got your shield, and then you got your charge attack, and then you can just run and jump onto other people. Whereas like if you use your shield and someone tries to run into you, you can like knock them off if you have, if if you're the guy that's holding the shield. But if you if you wait for a bit and charge up your shield, um. You can uh, sorry if you charge up your your attack, you can like destroy the guy with the shield, and so it sort of goes in this circle where you can like either one can destroy the other, um, and you know it, I, I want to make it uh, I wanted to make the games um, intuitively so that you wouldn't like you you can think on the spot without having to um, like really like it's deeply. The- <laughs> You don't need the strategy. It's a Twitch sort of game. That's okay. Yeah, it well, there there, there are a lot of strategies to the game. Like once you get deep into it, um, it's hard for people. It's hard for me to show people, like you know, on a convention setting and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think the 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 fun part is once once people are at the top and then they can jump down and then you get this kind of toss and uh, throw of like. Uh, who, who's going to be on the top and you can dismount and like wait for the other person to jump on, on the top and then knock them off. And yeah, yeah so absolutely. there's this sort like, of mind games that you play. There's a huge uh, tactical part of it. Like you, 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 exactly like you said, you, once you get to the top and you've kind of like where you're meant to be, you then realize that you can go down and you know, quite vulnerable yeah. and actually position. like you kind of ambush people. And there's like subtle nuances to the gameplay and like you said with the charging of the shield that yeah i mean you can can pick it up and do all the things basically but just like a really good kind of um multiplayer uh, challenge game like that there's there's subtle things that if you work on for a little while you can can become quite good alberto you're working on this game as sort of a a, sort of a solo project and you're just about to release it how are you feeling at this point just a few hours before the game kind of is in everyone's hands and they can start playing it well it's I guess it's kind of scary in a way because, you know, as a solo um, developer, like when you uh, when you release a game and put it out to people, you, you don't really know what they're going to 
take or what they're going to, uh, what feedback they're going to give you. And, you know, if it's good feedback, then you get like, you get all that good feedback. But if it's negative feedback, then you get all the ne negative feedback that weighs on you. So it's, it's a lot more amplified and it's kind of intense, really. Uh, whereas, you know, like if you're in a team and stuff like that, you know, you can sort of always just blame the other person and it just gets distributed, the, uh, the, the highs and lows. Is it something you're worried about? Have, I mean, you've taken this game around. I've, I've seen it at, at, you know, PAX and, you know, it's been over to Western Australia yeah, to play out Perth. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, you've obviously had a lot of people in front of it. What's the sort of reactions you get from people who are playing the game with you there? Yeah, most sort of, most, mostly everyone sort of likes it. Like, um, so I guess at an immediate sort of standpoint, like it's, it, it works quite well. Um, I, like I know it works quite well in a party setting, and I guess the 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 main thing that um, that's uncertain for me is like how will it go when you're on your own, like when you're playing it by yourself. Like I, I have recently just developed like the online multiplayer for it, and uh, when you're <laughs> that's also another downside when you're a solo developer. It's hard to test. On, like multiplayer by yourself, you know. I, I I got like four computers and I'm trying to like verse myself and trying to figure out like if it works or not. Like even even when it wasn't like online multiplayer, like I had four control um four game game pads and I was trying to like use all the game pads with like a pinky and a and a thumb like on both on each hand, like trying to like get to the top and like you know just test if things are gonna break or not. Would you consider bringing on more people to help you out in the future? <laughs> Some like beta well, testers, yeah. alpha testers. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, my, I guess my main goal, or the main reason why I did it all on my own at the beginning was I just wanted. It's like uh, I've kind of gotten this far by myself, and like I guess it's like uh, I guess to make the analogy of climbing a mountain. <laughs> You know, like I'm almost there and I'm almost there by myself. So I don't really want to, um, you know, like I'd like to get people to help out. But I think after I've released it, you know, because I just want to cross that line by myself more as a personal sort of goal. Yeah, okay. Now, you've worked on some some bigger teams, uh, you know, working with working on games like Mafia 2 and, and Dawn of War 2 as well. What sort of things have you brought from from working in a big team sort of environment versus, uh, you know, working on a game by yourself and you being the sole person who who calls all the shots? Yeah, uh, it's quite um, working on a team. It's 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 quite fun when you be, first begin, like because you learn so much things. You know, uh, when I first uh, graduated from uni, I just you know like looking for a job and I managed to get a job at Plastic Wax, you know, I, you know, helped out doing those type of um, game cinematics and stuff. But I guess eventually after, because I've been, I was doing that for about 10 years working on those big projects. But after a while, you know, you, you sort of, um, when you, when you stop learning as much, you sort of get bored of it and you want to, see how far you can push yourself and I, I really wanted to see how far and how rich of an idea I can produce on my own um, you know when you when you're working with other people it's great but 
you sort of always have to compromise and sort of dilute aspects of of that idea to you know to to fit um, everyone's uh, mold. So, what have you learnt working on a game by yourself? What's what's some of the most valuable things that have come out of this project? I guess, I guess, like, um, I, I guess, I, I, I reckon anything is quite possible as long as you have the time. Like, <laughs> I have a lot of time to myself, so I, I can manage to pull a whole game together. But um, I, I really believe that anyone can, you know, if they have YouTube or whatever, you can learn how to program because that, that's how I did it. Like, I just looked up, um, uh, like, how do you how do you program this and you know, you, you, I come across all these like YouTube links of like little kids who are, you know, they, they haven't even broken their voice yet. And they, they're explaining these sort of complex ways how to jump. And oh, I used to do it this way and now I do it this way and it's much better. And, you know, like if if those kids can do it, then what what, what is stopping me from being able to do that? And I think a lot of people have that barrier and that sort of, you know, uh, it's too, it's too hard. But you you just have to start small, and I think that's the main thing. You just have to start really small. Like, Goat Punks was just a small idea. It was meant to be like a tiny, you know, uh, a month project. But then it just, as you get interested, you, you I, I got addicted to it, uh, addicted to it, and it it just grows. And you just have to allow yourself that. I think. Look, you're very close to the finish line. Uh, you're just about to release the game. I don't know that much could stop you now. So if people want to find out a bit more info about it, where should they head to? Um, I guess uh, goatpunks.com or uh, for Twitter is at goatpunks. <laughs> and grab a That's couple cool. of people together, grab some mates, uh, get on the couch, play a few rounds of multiplayer goatpunks. Just make sure Scott's not there. Or cool. Yeah, don't don't invite Scott because that guy is a sore, sore winner, that guy. <laughs> Alberto, stick with us. We're going to jump into our next topic right now. Did you know Pixel Civ is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube, and on the Pixel Civ website. Yeah, so with Nintendo dropping region locking on all together on the Switch... Now we may be able to get our hands on all those dating sims, abstract fighting games, and JRPGs without having to buy or mod a new console just to run them. With another digital wall broken down, could this be the could this affect how all games are developed by Nintendo? Interesting cho- choosing of words there, choice yep. of words. Uh, a digital <laughs> wall has been broken down there, but this is obviously about physical hardware that's right? true so this is the games that you have to go to a brick and mortar store or maybe an online store and they'll ship you a piece of plastic and, and silicon and you put that into your console and, and you can play it from there um sort of confusing really that this sort of thing hasn't sort of existed beforehand playstation 4 has had it for sort of its entire generation well, you see now. they have and they haven't because look uh, according to dungeoncrawl.com.au I've just been looking at this little cute little diagram they have here. And it says that PS4, the discs are not locked. However, DLC is. Yeah, that's so, absolutely correct. So if I was you, referencing, uh, so my digital wall comment is, oh, that's where I was looking at that. If you're going to buy yeah. um, an Australian game, then you need to purchase the Australian DLC for that title in the Australian PSN store using your Australian PSN ID. Great. <laughs> um, but um, if you're an Xbox user, you can happily just kind of... 
jump yeah. between the two of them. Look, I think it's no really lockage. It's really interesting because I think you know when these when this generation first sort of started out, I mean, there was a lot of pushback against this idea of a you know a, a digital only game and that this there was going to be some advantages brought in by having something like well this is the main selling point of the xbox one was that you could buy it and share it with your friends and you didn't have to worry about the disc you could just jump over to anyone's house and as long as you had good enough internet you could just download your game and play from there Mm -hmm. but you know it never quite happened because you know there are people in the world like for example in perth western australia where the internet isn't good enough um unless you're scott um yes yes yeah where you can actually you can't actually do that and actually having a disc from a store is still the most ideal way to, to do this um, but you know we are seeing this trend away from people buying physical games mm-hmm. um, the CEO of GameSpot which runs EB Games in Australia but also the you know GameSpot in the United States Paul Raines recently said that they've you mean GameStop GameStop not GameSpot <laughs> Game, Games yeah GameStop uh, confusing yeah. Uh, basically reiterated in, in Game of Sutra that the company's commitment was sort of transforming its business out of gaming and non-gaming operations so you may have seen that they're moving into other things that are physical items that you buy in a store because right this market is is disappearing you know he, he goes on to say we're, we're disappointed with the overall results because there was a big drop in the last sort of seasonal quarterly sales mm. um and looking more broadly we did see continued growth in our non-physical gaming businesses and we expect this category to approach 40 percent of our earnings in fiscal 2016 i mean as much as i love physical games um I understand that it is obviously a kind of declining practice. Um, things are going to go more online. Uh, and there's obviously reasons for having, you know, region locking in the past. And they still exist for the same reasons, but it makes sense for them, I think, to abolish this finally. It's the kind of going trend. Everyone else is doing it. And also, there's always ways around it. Remember back in the, like, the, well, you boys might not, but Gianni and I will definitely remember the, the original PlayStation where, like, uh, you know, you'd have your uncle go over to Bali or Phuket or wherever and bring you back 30 games and only five of them would work, but you needed your PlayStation modded, modded for that stuff. Are yeah. we going to go two episodes without a Mitch as a kid joke? Yeah, I know. It's becoming quite a nice theme, actually. Mitch, I'm liking it. You know, just get a bit older, mate. Go <laughs> yeah. back in the past. Um, Alberto, could you have released Goat Punks in a world where physical games were the only ways to, to bring out games? Oh, no way. I think it would have been impossible. Like, um, yeah, I... I understand why they made the choice back then, but uh, right currently there's just no point in doing, like locking it down because everyone's so well connected and like, you know, everyone's got friends overseas and you want to, you know, you you want to play against your friends overseas and it's like, I don't know, why would you, why would you prevent that? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point and I think it kind of matches up well with uh, Mitch's digital wall breakage um, kind of comment. That yeah, we are more connected than ever with everyone around the world. So why put up walls when we're all you know so already there? Well, it's interesting when you have lots of games that are kind of being restricted or you know not released in in mm. certain regions. We now exist in a world where you can jump on Twitch and you can watch someone who's been streaming for forty eight hours in a row, and they can be playing a game that hasn't come out yet in your region, and that. Effectively, you're getting a lot of the experience of playing that game if not putting your hands on a controller or on a keyboard and mouse at that time. But, you know, that experience is still shared. It yeah. just seems that, the you know, the, the I guess the, the frameworks behind it need to catch up with the way that people are kind of yeah, one, using one thing, and playing games. One thing I do hope we get from the from the switch is that we can play online games with all of our friends that live in the, wherever they, like anywhere in the world. Because right now on the PS4, I know that uh, people in Australia can't play with people in Japan 
because those two stores, quotation marks, are not linked together. So they are actually on different servers. So, I, yeah. It'd be so to me, that's not, re- that's not free of region locking. That's to me, that's global. region locking. Yeah. yeah. So I hope that it's completely... And unanimous. part of that is technology as well because obviously there's a big distance between, you know... Australia and Japan physically, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe not over the internet and culturally, but, you know, there is that distance and maybe the experience isn't that great. But as we get, you know, further along in technology, we can hopefully see people play, you know, Mario Kart and destroy you from all parts of the world, <laughs> as, in, as in my case where whenever I play Mario Kart online. Mm. I guess um, on the other side of the, you know, argument, like I guess if you're a developer, it's kind of like... Um, if you wanted to test your game, like do a soft launch and just region lock it to a certain area, a small town, just so you can, you know, test it like a, and, and then get data that way. And then once you're ready and take it to the, um, the rest of the world, I, I think that's probably the only reason why I would consider something like that, you know, just to, you know, have like a control group. And you yeah. often do see this with a lot of, I guess, with the the mobile stores, you know, your app stores and stuff. You yeah. see these these soft launches. You know, maybe you could do a, a you know a region locked soft launch in in Dubbo or Bulungong or something <laughs> like that, and just say they're the ones yeah. who are going to be playing the game to start with, and then everyone else can can give it a go after that. Yeah, I think it's um you know it's this is something that we maybe we'll be talking about down the in the future when we're saying well region locking was a, a funny thing, but you know we're still having movie releases that come out. Months and months after they've come out in other regions. So, you know, who knows with any of these things. Look, um, that's pretty much all we've got time for. Alberto, thanks for joining us. Uh, Good luck with the launch tomorrow. Uh, If you want to check out Alberto's game, you should head online. You can look up Alberto at studio underscore canvas or on Twitter. And on Twitter, you can look up Goat goat Punks. You're on all the, the stores and everything. It's been a blast to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we have a website as well where you can also find links to all this stuff, including Alberto's game. Uh, That is pixelsift.com.au. On there, you'll find links to all the articles we've been talking about and quotes from there. Mitch, we've also got some older episodes, don't we? Yes, you can go to our website to check those out and you can either go to iTunes, Pocket Cast or using the RS link on our page to get those. And Scott, if people want to find us online, you can in other us. capacities, yes. talk to us there. Online at facebook.com forward slash pixel sift, twitter.com forward slash pixel sift, twitch.tv forward slash pixel sift and youtube.com forward slash pixel sift au. That's it. We'll be back again this time next week. But thank you for joining us. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash pixelsift. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player.